On this episode of Documental Radio, I'm speaking with CK Eternity. CK, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, definitely excited to be here. Let's talk a little bit about herbalism. Do you want to give the listeners a brief introduction to start up the conversation? Yeah, so I think a lot of people view herbalism almost as like an alternative to medicine. And I think that really herbalism is the original medicine and it almost combines medicine and food. You know, before a certain point, we didn't have this access that we have today to really any food we want any time of the year. It was more like you would have to really find whatever you could forage locally. And some cases you'd store things, dry herbs, things like that for basically the entire winter or whatever period of time where it wasn't going to be growing. So we kind of built up this understanding of the uses and the benefits of each herb almost intuitively. No one was passing around books initially, you know, it was just this kind of very basic medicine that was passed on. And now I think a lot of people look at it as almost inferior to pharmaceutical medicine, but I really love it because really nature is the greatest chemist of us all, you know, it's like nature has on its own just through years of evolution and chance and whatever you want to call it, you know, almost divine intervention. It's made so many amazing chemical compounds and they all have pharmacologies that the drugs we use today are based on. So I think if you can, in some cases, and I don't advocate for it in every situation, but in a lot of cases, I think you can find plants with the same activity of drugs, a better safety profile. I think there's a lot of potential that's unexplored both by modern medicine and just the average person. Yeah, agreed. And when you really think about herbalism, it's like we have to go back in the past, no matter what, to discover these ancient practices, let's say, that uh, helped us perform better, live better, sleep better, whatever whatever it is you were trying to optimize. And, and you made an inter- interesting point. They may not have the scientific data at that time, but they could still feel it. And that was a really good indication that there was something there to explore. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of people are going to fund these big research studies on herbs, you know, just because the biggest issue I see with them is that pharmaceutical companies can't patent them, you know, because it's a, it's a plant. It's not an individual compound. They didn't create anything if they make this. There's a couple that are actually starting to hit the market. They find ways around it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things that changed my opinion on this was I saw there was a series of research papers that came out. There was a company, I think it was in somewhere in Europe, like Germany or something. They were studying basically like a, a lavender extract that they'd standardized and they were selling it as a pharmaceutical medicine. It's available in the market today, actually. Mm. But basically they went in and did all these studies on it and they found that it was actually more effective than like pharmaceutical antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication, just like in their clinical studies and in other research papers kind of comparing it. And it's like, that's just a lavender. There, I know mm. so many herbs that are even more potent than that. Like... <laughs> possibilities are limitless my concern is when these companies do come in um, they could quote unquote ruin a good thing where it's you know they have years you know generations of proof in terms of its effectiveness some let's just take one plant or one compound or whatever that has the ability to solve one problem if the companies come in they could contaminate that usage by putting in things that are not necessary and if they put a label saying that it's say lavender 
and it doesn't work because it's contaminated. It causes lots of issues and kind of lowers the belief, the confidence that these things have had for years. Yeah, exactly. I think that to an extent, like it's almost our responsibility to keep up with that. I wish there was some way that we could crowdfund our own independent research, you know, because there's a big history of pharmaceutical research studies just kind of being tweaked or altered in a way that makes them appear more effective than they are. This is a big issue with drugs, mm -hmm. but I don't want that to become an issue with herbs too. You know, I don't want people to try and say, oh, because these are paid studies, I don't trust this. I, it's almost as if like there should be some way to do independent studies. And there are independent research on this sort of thing. Like there's a lot of really fascinating studies, but a lot of them are limited to animals. You know, there's certain things that you really can't get into like the level of a randomized controlled clinical trial unless you have a ton of money that's not accessible to even the average researcher. Wow, that's a good point. It makes you think the people that do have integrity and and have this urge for investigative journalism in this, you know, nutritional facet, if they are given the funds to do this kind of research, it's empowering because then the people can have the answer, not the, the, the quote unquote answer that's clouded by, you know, corporate greed and, and all this manipulation that doesn't really show the effectiveness, effectiveness of a plant or whatever. So the hope is that the rise of individuals like yourself, you know, people that are educating and putting the right message out there can get the right funds and allow themselves to channel their creative energy into this field. That, that's the most exciting thing here. Definitely. Yeah. I hope we see a lot of progress in it in the future. And there's some brilliant herbalists out there already. Like it really blows my mind how much this is overlooked by the general population. Absolutely. And, and for the listeners who are not familiar, um, CK and uh, Grim Hood, so Grim's Apothecary, are very active on Twitter, giving incredible value on, pretty much on a daily basis. So at the end of the episode, we'll plug that information so you guys can make sure to follow both of them for their great content. So CK, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about like, the specifics here. What are some herbs that you're excited about, things that you're curious to explore? Uh, I, there's a few. There's honestly so many, but like, a few of my all-time favorites, black seed oil is definitely one of the biggest ones. Like there is, in the Middle East, like there's a saying uh, that really is the cure for everything except death. And I think that that's almost like too good to be true, but at the same time, it's not really all that wrong. It has so many different effects and it's such, uh, it's basically a food product. You know, it's a oil of black cumin seeds. So it's this, it, incredibly safe almost food product that has anti-inflammatory effects anti-allergic effects it is antibacterial against tons of uh infections or things like yeast overgrowth that can be an issue in the gut you know it actually also reestablishes insulin sensitivity uh it activates a pathway called ampk that basically is the same way that like some anti-diabetic drugs or supplements work you know it will basically reset first off the waste products that are produced by sugar metabolism or carb metabolism which can build up if the body's not running properly and then it can also basically make you more sensitive to your own insulin because insulin resistance is not the cause per se but one of the biggest underlying factors of both diabetes and obesity and many other diseases beyond that like you just need your hormones balanced and responsive to your environment. And it helps kind of 
relay that. And of course, like the, the anti-inflammatory effects are just massive alone. Mm. It actually goes back to our, our discussion earlier, where it's, you know, the, the ancient practices of using, say, black seed oil and having all these incredible effects and they have no scientific proof of it. They just, they just feel it, you know? I and mean, it's pretty amazing to be able to use that and not know what it's actually doing under the hood. Yeah, another one that I really love is uh, Bacopa. That's one that it has been really influential and kind of changed my life, honestly. Um, it, I'm just, there's so much fantastic research on it. A lot of the time it's sold as a nootropic or like a memory enhancing herb, but really like it goes beyond that as well. It has this incredible ability based on at least some limited research to regenerate the serotonin and the GABA system. The GABA system especially is important because it kind of acts as a brake system for our brain. Without that, you have basically neuron excitation that goes unchecked, and that can cause toxicity or contribute to neurodegeneration over time. So the most this is a good illustration of this. Uh, at one point, I saw, I believe it was an animal study, so a little bit different than humans maybe, but I hope this research carries over. There was a study where they had an animal model of epilepsy that was reversed by Bacopa. That's huge. We don't have drugs that just reverse these diseases. You know, this is something Amazing. where you spend years managing symptoms and you have to switch medications and you might die from having a seizure at the wrong time. Like if these benefits carry over in future research studies, I think we're gonna see medicine be taken by storm by some of these herbs or compounds. That's incredible. What are some of your favorite ways to actually use Bacopa? I'm not so familiar. Um, there's, uh, with most of these herbs, there's kind of different forms available in the market. You know, with anything, you can generally find like a powder extract where you would just take a little bit of it orally or mixed in tea. I really love using loose leaf herbs because I already make tea from some of them anyway. You know, some of them you're going to find more so in like the just dried herb form. So I try and use it in tea when I can, but you can find it in pills, you know, you can find it in like a powder extract or uh, just like a dried cut and sifted herb as well. This for most herbs at this point. Hmm. Right. It has to be good quality though, right? Because if they have this cheap version of it, it's not going to feel the, the right effects. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. With especially herbs from like China and that kind of part of the world, there are different production laws and they're more likely to be pesticide contaminated based on at least a few kind of limited studies I've seen. Not saying it doesn't happen in the U.S. as well, but you do want to source your herbs carefully. Like I've been trying to, with my business, especially work with like local organic farms or um, at least bare minimum, if you import any kind of Chinese herbs, you want to look for something lab tested and ideally something where they're going to be certified organic or at least good manufacturing practices certified as well. Okay, so it really helps to do our own investigation before we go out and purchase these things because, because you know, it can be exciting to hear all these things that the side effects and the, the benefits of using them. But, um, you know, in our world today, going back to what we said earlier, we have to find good quality stuff to ensure that this is actually what we're using, the right stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it the same goes for food products, too. You know, it's not going to be that much different. You're going to get the same pesticides contaminating your food. It's just really we have to take a lot more care with kind of how we approach products in kind of our modern consumer environment, because there's a lot of incentive to cut corners or per se, do things that may actually be damaging to your health long term. You know, you don't want to have like 
arsenic or heavy metals or something and really anything you can secure. And that's crazy because you could be a healthy guy and have one of these things that have so many, you know, downsides to it that actually hurts your health, even though your intention is to make it better, right? To optimize your performance. I, yeah, exactly. You know, in some cases, some of these herbs are going to promote detox anyway. So maybe it would balance out somewhat, but it's mm -hmm. still like, you really, I don't want to tempt fate. That's why I'm very careful with sourcing things myself. There's some things like that I've wanted to sell that I haven't added to my shop yet, just because I'm not confident I have a good enough source. You know, it's mm -hmm. very, it's a kind of cautious practice, but I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to much safer or cleaner herbs to other people. I mean, not all of it's going to be necessarily certified with whatever certification, but I always do try and have at least like lab tests or an organic certification or like talk to the farmer personally and kind of get a feel for what they use for their practices, actually like see the farm if I use anything locally. Yeah, no, that's smart, definitely. There was a conversation on Twitter at some point from a, an account called Greek Goes Keto. Those guys are great. And they talk a lot about how a lot of Mediterranean practices, you know, the ancient Greeks and Romans, even I think Egyptians at some point, were using, say, like things like pine needles to make syrup and tea. And uh, Oh, yeah, you know, pine needle tea is amazing. If you've ever find the pine needles very easily, too. I think it's white pines that are the safest. But there's obviously, like, if you're listening to this, do your own research. But, yeah, um, there's a few species of pines that are going to be toxic. But most of the time, you can go out and just, like, find something in your local area where you'd be able to do this yourself. And it really is beneficial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So CK, um, you know, I want to kind of um, bring in the conversation magnesium, because I know you guys uh, talk a lot about it, especially magnesium chloride, right? So if we can just touch upon that uh, quickly, I think it'd be very helpful for listeners here. Yeah, honestly, I don't see any reason. I, it kind of pains me to say this, but I think really everyone should be supplementing magnesium, you know, and I'm someone that, I'm not going to recommend anything that I don't feel is necessary. You know, when I work with people, I'm not going to tell them to take something that I don't think they would absolutely benefit from and that there's not really a replacement for. You know, and that's with most nutritional supplements, you know, you don't want to have to take it. But with magnesium, our soil is very depleted. There's a lot of evidence of this in different studies and um, papers that have been presented. Um, our soil's basically been depleted of nutrients because we have been, we've kind of subsidized these big grains like corn, um, wheat, things like that, that are basically pulling nutrients out of the soil without putting them back in. You know, normally you have kind of an ecosystem where some plants are going to take up certain nutrients and other ones are going to put them back out and it balances itself out. But when we take huge spaces of land on earth and basically just fill them up with a very limited amount of products overall then what happens is we have basically certain minerals very much drawn out of the soil and others increased that maybe aren't beneficial in excess so we have this huge mineral imbalance in our food it's nowhere close to as nutrient dense as it was before and then there's even some uh there's even a theory that, that like we would have gotten some minerals from the ocean even because humans really have a long history of being close to water that would have been very dense in minerals as well or drinking like fresh water from like mineral springs things like that basically the idea is that we don't have the kind of mineral capacity from our diet our drinking water anything like that because it's all been depleted or purified or filtered out so magnesium is really the single most important mineral in the body like there's no question about this and 
some of the numbers you see, it's like, I've heard of 300 different processes in the body. That's really low compared to like, there's newer studies basically saying that it's thousands, you know, that, and it works in 42% of all of the enzymes in the body overall. It's really so essential. And it even is necessary. You know, you can't make energy without magnesium. So life cannot exist without this mineral. And I really think that, especially in our modern stressful environment, just because there's so many toxins and inflammatory factors that all deplete magnesium from our bodies as well, that it's important above all else just to fortify your health. Even if you're not sick yet, even if you don't have any health conditions, you want to fortify your health by kind of loading up on magnesium, especially. Other mineral supplements, it's like not everything is going to be beneficial to supplement, but magnesium, 100%, I would recommend it. Mm. And I do notice on a lot of, uh, say, multivitamins or other just capsules altogether, that magnesium is, is generally pretty low. I mean, say maybe five, six percent compared to, I don't know, vitamin D that has like 75 percent. How, how would you explain it's that? It's really a volume thing, you know, it's like they can't fit so much of some of these minerals into the capsules. So they'll give you like a ton of iron because you only need a couple <laughs> milligrams per day. But then like that's going to be even more inflammatory. So mm there's a lot of evidence basically showing that like when you take multivitamins you're missing the some of the important nutrients because they won't fit a lot into it you know you have to take 10 capsules overall if they put all of your minerals in it and then like they basically have a net negative effect when it comes to long-term mortality you know you're like you're more likely to actually die if you're taking a multivitamin and it's because like first off not not just that they don't have certain nutrients but also that the ones they do have aren't good to take as supplements especially like iron um there's some evidence that too much folate or vitamin a also can cause problems at least in supplement form you know and food this isn't a problem at all as you're saying the quality of the soil is has been depleted over time so we have to supplement with certain things like magnesium over others or depending on your 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 own biology and as well as, you know, these medicinal herbs that have incredible effects to heal the body and detox. So it's kind of these, uh, this counter wave, this, this solution that we have at our disposal. We just have to be educated to learn what we actually need, what is you know, our, our optimal function. Exactly. And honestly, like I've heard a quote recently. Uh, I don't know how true this is. You know, maybe no one does. But basically it was estimating that today the average person has like a 40 to a 60 hour work week millions of years ago the average human would have had basically a 15 hour work week in comparison so we are working ourselves to death for just barely enough money to survive all of that is so stressful and on top of that like our food is contaminated we have all these toxins in our environment it is really imperative for anyone listening to this anyone living especially in like the western world but any part of the world to protect their health and you can do so through some really simple interventions you know a lot of foods have medicinal properties where they're going to help your body detox or they have antioxidants uh that are going to help kind of reduce some of the stress or even just taking nutrients alone you know thiamine and Magnesium are the biggest ones, in my opinion. Like those are the ones that really are going to protect your mitochondria. And when your mitochondria goes, your health goes. Like no question about it. 
And it makes me think of all the high consumption of caffeine worldwide that's depleting a lot of these nutrients anyway. So they would have to supplement the, to counteract the, the, the rate of consumption of caffeine as well, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like there's a lot of evidence beyond just caffeine itself. You know, caffeine is basically sucking the magnesium out of your body. You know, not only is it diuretic, but just the, it increases cortisol and other kind of stress factors they're going to directly counteract magnesium. And I get that it's beneficial in the short term. You know, you get the stimulation, you get through the work day, but chronic consumption of any stimulant or any drug in general can cause these problems. And beyond that, um, going back to thiamine, vitamin B1, there's also compounds in both coffee and even tea, like green tea, that will bind to or inhibit thiamine absorption. You know, they're going to directly deplete some of these nutrients as well. Incredible. And then actually Grim Hood is the one that got me to quit caffeine myself. And I got to tell you, ever since I took your advice, both you and Grim's advice to optimize my nutrition, I don't even need it. I feel energetic and I can perform optimally all the time. So if there's some consolation for all the listeners that don't want to quit caffeine, <laughs> there's some good news, I guess. Yeah, I think I've been without it for like eight months to a year myself. I don't know the exact date, but really like after maybe a month or so, feels so much better. It's 10 times better, you know, and there's so many better energy sources as far as herbs or even nutrients, you know, like I've worked with a lot of people where I've recommended they start using thiamine and they'll tell me like, I don't need coffee anymore. I don't feel like I need caffeine anymore just because they were so deficient from using these substances and being under so much stress that this nutrient that's fundamental in energy production was depleted. So you don't even have the necessary nutrients to produce energy and you're making up for it by maybe using like a drug or, you know, just kind of trying to get through the day with as much stimulation as possible. We really have a very stimulating environment and not enough nutrition to keep up with it. 100%. CK, listen, man, I, I appreciate you coming on to Documental Radio to talk about all this stuff. It's been a really interesting interview. To close, uh, do you want to give listeners an idea where they can find you online? Yeah, um, my my Twitter account is CK Eternity at CK Eternity, uh, one underscore between CK and Eternity and one after. And then I also had just recently opened up an Instagram page where I've been posting a little bit, and that's uh, Multiflora Herbs. Multi is in multi-purpose, flora as in flora and fauna, one word, you know, and then herbs as in herbs. <laughs> And that's my business name. I also have a website, multiflora-herbs, that you can visit as well. I have some blogs up there. Some of these herbs actually available if anyone is interested. I have more information on each of the benefits there as well. Amazing. Thanks so much. Yeah, definitely.